Hi there. Welcome to the More Civil Podcast. This is a podcast for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them. I am Mo, and I am your host, ready to spark your curiosity as I take you on this adventurous ride of exploring cultures through the stories of my guests from all over the world. On this show, we get really personal, discussing salient issues that are relevant to our contemporary age and also building community around them. As our guests exercise courage and vulnerability in sharing their life's experiences, we hope that in turn you are inspired by them and that you get the courage needed to set your own stories free. Enjoy the ride and thank you so much for listening. Welcome back everyone to the show and today I have the privilege of having a priest on the podcast. Yes, a priest on the podcast. Well, his name is Father James Anyebo. He's a priest of the Catholic Diocese of Aba, Nigeria, and he's currently doing his pastoral ministry in Scotland, United Kingdom. And I think that's very appropriate because if you know the history of the church, Scotland has a huge role to play in that. He's the founder and director of the Faith Chat Platform, an online platform for faith sharing and charity works. He's also a TikTok enthusiast. He uses Instagram way better than I do, by the way. He's also on YouTube, he's on Facebook, and all other social media platforms for the promotion of Catholic Christian teachings and in search for lost souls. And I think another fantastic thing he does is his economical ministry where he tries to bring people from, you know, um, Christian faith and come together and just, you know, explore not just the differences, but also the similarities. If you follow him on Instagram, you're in for a treat. So everyone, without further ado, please join me in welcoming Father James to the podcast. Hello, Father James. you thank you for having me <laughs> thank you thank you it's it, i mean it's a lovely monday and i'm so so glad to talk to you and i cannot wait to hear more about you so sir tell us a little bit about yourself your childhood your sibling relationship your family and all that fun stuff oh wow um i think there's not too much about me um but when i start talking if it gets too much then you let me know <laughs> So um, I was born the last of uh, six um, children in my family. Um, we, we are three boys and three girls, and, but I lost my brother. So I've lost two members of my family, my dad and my, uh, one of my other brothers as well. Um, so I was born, um, you know, at a time when um, the world was still sort of normal, you know, not what we have it today. Um, you know, at that time when you don't have the mobile phones and the internet and all that. So it's sort of um, the time when I was born and I believe you were born at that time and many of us as well. Um, now, that's me. That's um, my childhood. And I grew up, you know, in a very Christian Catholic family where we pray every day. Prayer was uh, our watchword, in fact. Um, every night we pray. In fact, it's an obligation in my family that you don't go to bed without praying. It's an obligation. You could wake up in the morning and, you know, not kind of, you know, gathering together as a family to pray. But you see, every night we must gather. In the morning is because my dad leaves quite very early. So from morning mass, he could leave. And, you know, we all will be rushing to go to school. 
but at night every one of us must pray and i have taken that as my own duty no longer just at night but also in the morning now and also growing up um you know my siblings we we all have this attitude of you know defending each other and being the last born in the family so i was always the one they all run out to defend you know so you dare not look for my trouble because my brothers and sisters will come against you quickly <laughs> you know <laughs> more than you expect so um my mom will always you know call me her handbag because um you know the last born situation so um she always pets me more but um I, I sort of, you know, escaped from that, you know, um, reliance and independent uh, dependency on 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 my parents, and that's why I was able to make a choice and be who I am today. Wow! First of all, sorry to hear about your dad and your brother's demise, and um, my condolences on that. And it mm-hmm. seems like you you had such a very good childhood, you know. Um, yeah. being supported with your siblings and also your family. So my next question would be this. Most children aspire to become superheroes, doctors, lawyers, podcasters, you know, when they grow up, but rarely ever repressed. What did you want to become as a child? And, you know, I'm just curious. Let's start with that before I delve into your yeah. journey towards priesthood. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, because of this uh, prayer life I had, you know, as a child and taught by my mom and my parents as well. In fact, both my dad and mom would, you know, always pray at night. And now every early morning and um, before we go to school, it's either I go with my mom or go with my dad to early morning mass. So, you know, in Nigeria, we have these masses at 5.30, you know, 5.45, depending on your parish. So, you know, I would always go with either my mom or my dad for these morning masses. Then sometimes I would go to morning mass dressed like, you know, um, like student. And after morning mass, once we get back home, straight back, straight to school. Now, if I couldn't make it for morning mass during the period, during the weekdays and school periods, then I must go for mass on Saturday. In fact, every Saturday it was an obligation for me, like for me to go for mass. And... So I think it's helped my decision to be a priest. It, they, 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 you know, the push started while when I was about six years old. And when I tell people this, they'll be like, wow, are you serious? And I say yes, because I started telling my mom that I would like to be like the priest I used to see on the altar, you know, about that age, about six years old, even before I received the first Holy Communion. And my dad and my mom were not very keen on me becoming a priest. They wanted me to be sort of maybe a doctor, or a lawyer, or something. But they, um, but myself, I was hell bent on being a priest. That during those periods, I would dress like a priest at home. You know, I would dress like a priest at home, like you know, and you know the Ludo. You know how round, you know, the smallish round they are. Yeah. So, so I use them as the Holy Communion. Oh, jeez. And then I use the Ludo cup, you know, as the yeah. chalice. So oh, I will set all those things in place. And then and then I'll use my mom <laughs> wrapper. I don't know, you must have seen the new children now. They have they have tailored um chasubles and all. Yeah. And we don't have the that, you know, that opportunity then. So I would use my mom's old wrapper wow. as my chasuble. Now because it's old enough, she wasn't wearing it. I would clear the center. So I would oh, clear the center where, where my head could. 
And you didn't get in trouble with that. I got in trouble. Honestly, I got in trouble. I'm getting there. So I would tell you that I used to do that with no one in the house. So when everyone leaves the house, that would be the time when, you know, I would set everything up because I don't like people seeing me. So I would use the sitting room and then I would be giving communion to air. You know, after mass, I'll be like, body of Christ, body of Christ to the air. You know, I'll give, I'll put it back. I'll bring another one, fresh one. It's not like the old one. So I will keep doing it. You know, and after that, I'll come back, I'll conclude the mass. Now, listen, one day, one day. So that day I came back from school early enough. I think that was... Um, um, yeah, my primary school day. So I came back from school early enough. And during, while I was doing that, my mom came back through the back door. Ooh. Yeah, she used to sneak in to see what the children, you know. <laughs> like every Nigerian parents, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Sneak so through the back door, unlocked the door quietly, gently, and then sneaked in. And then, you know, peeped into the still room that I was celebrating the mock mass with <laughs> Arapa, that I used to hide under her bed you know I will hide it not under my bed not her under bed. anybody's bed, her under bed. bed. It's, it's, it's darkest under the light light shade lamp shade right thank you <laughs> <laughs> So I will hide the wrapper under her bed. So I will make sure it's under one of or two or three cloths. So I hide it there. The next mass I will go there, bring it out. So so that day I will, I felt like the ground should open, and I go in like, gosh, what what am I doing? She stood there. She said she watched me to the end. Wow. So I turned and then immediately I saw her. I felt like it's over. It's over. But then um, she smiled. You know, oh, she said, "This is not my rapper." I said, "Boy, you are no longer using it." You know that kind of. But you are no longer using it. It's old now. Nah. She looked at it. That was what saved me. So she she checked it, and you know, it, it did not tally with the one she she, she used. Yeah. Yeah. So she now forgave me, and so she she thought to herself, even at that time. She was not yet ready to accept whom I want to be, even with my dad. But then I kept pushing until after my primary school, I took common entrance examination in Nigeria. And I got schools like uh, Dennis uh, Memorial Grammar School, Dengram, DMGS, was one of the top schools then in Anambra State. And then I also got on uh, CKC Onisha. Those were my two options. But then I said, no, I don't want to go to any of them. I want to go to seminary. Seminary. <laughs> I oh. told my mom, my dad, they said, but the seminary, they have finished the admission for junior seminarians. I kept insisting. So, the, um, so you know, they, the seminary, we are supposed to accept me the previous year. But, you know, like before the new, before I yeah. go into primary six. So... Now, within my primary six, my mom, uh, my mom's sister, who is a nun herself, whom I had told when she visited whom I want to be. So she sent someone to come and pick me up that they have an opening in Abia State, so in Aba. 
and I could be a priest in a religious community because Onisha had closed. Now I have a second chance. Hey, it was on Easter Monday. Wow. Monday. <laughs> I can't forget that. Yeah, on Easter Monday, to, uh, 1996. Easter Monday, 1997, sorry. Easter Monday, I think, between 96 and 97. That was when it happened. And then I was like, this is my score card. Okay? I'm not missing this. So myself and my mom, we were at her place, like my maternal home. When we got the message, we ran back home, got ourselves ready about, I think, Eastern Wednesday or so, or the next day. I traveled with um, the messenger to Abia State. I haven't been there before, but I wasn't scared of traveling away. That was why I said, you know, like I knew whom I wanted to be. I was called. So that dependency on parents and crying when you're leaving mom and dad never was in me, you know. Yet, you know, I so much loved my mom and dad so much. But because of this thing, I pursued it. I went with joy to Abia State, took the examination, passed, went straight from where I took the examination. That was in April, around 3rd or 4th of April that year. Went straight from there to the community house without any, you know, like I'm missing who. No, this is who I want to be. I was going straight for it. So it was my desire and I felt You know, God was calling me at that time to be his priest. Wow, what a story. I mean, it seems like even though your mom probably had a little bit of objection, she finally, you know, gave in and giving her support. And I imagine that having a sister as a nun, you know, that also opened a bit of a way and, Given that exactly. the order came from, you know, your auntie to come pick you up and all that. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to know, Father James, like, how long have you been in ministry? And um, would you say that your expectations and reality have matched? Because you went from, you know, a younger boy having mm-hmm. your own little mass and doing everything and setting it up. And then now it's the real world. Was there mm-hmm. any mismatch in, you know, between your expectations and reality? Of course. Um <clears throat> So, you know, that time when I entered the seminary, okay, I used to think that because I now know how to celebrate Mass, because I can do almost everything, you know, I have done the mock, so what else? That it's all straight on, that if I enter, it won't take time before I become a priest. I wasn't even seeing myself as that 10-year-old boy or 11, 8-year-old boy. No, I wasn't. I was just seeing myself as ready to be a priest. Okay, so one of the disappointments I faced was going into the minor seminary that was in Abia State, and we are studying mathematics and English. And I was like, come on, this is not what happened to do. <laughs> Bring out the real stuff. <laughs> so, so that, was, that was my first disappointment. But then, because this is whom I want to be, I had to, you know, I got focused and, you know, passed through um, the minor seminary all the huddles of the minor seminary and everything and uh, by God's grace you know everything was okay and good I excelled into you know the religious life everything was okay went into the major seminary I studied in three major seminaries you know um, studied in Ikorebene, Owere and Denugu you know and um, 
you know, after that, um, I got ordained. And throughout my seminary days, I, I wouldn't say I had issues to, you know, to decide otherwise. You understand? There, there was nothing really on the way for me to make, you know, an otherwise decision. No, it was just a straight something. It was my desire and everything I was doing during that time was like, this is my want to be. This is who I'm going to be. This is also God has called me to be. And I believe if God has called you for this, you know, even in the midst of the obstacles, Sometimes God doesn't even allow you to see those obstacles as obstacles yeah. yourself. Yeah. You know, most obstacles that I may have faced, I saw them as, you know, as um, sort of, you know, upliftment, you know, encouragement. You know, they, they made me stronger. They made me make the right choices. They made me stand firm and strong, you know, in my desire, in my pursuit to be a priest. So I felt um, they were not really obstacles and everything was just... You know, straight on to um, to um, to the priesthood, and huh. even my apostolic works in some rural areas. I did apostolic work in one rural area where you know you had to no cars would travel the next ten miles into the area, so you'd have to use bike, and the bike would dirty you, so you don't have to wear any cloth that is bright or shiny. You have to like dress like rugged or something before you, you get go there. Yeah. yeah. I remember one day I was coming out from the place. So I used to like, I would dress like local village guy. Then when I come out to, to I used to call it civilization. When I come into civilization, <laughs> there, was, there, was this, there was this empty building I located. So when I come into civilization, I'll go into that empty building, you know, with my water. I used to yeah. have water. Then wash up my legs and all that. I would have extra cloth in my bag then I would change that cloth go into Enugu because the place was close to Enugu yeah. for those who will be listening from Nigeria it's um, it's um, it's called Obanko so Obanko is in Anirikul government so then when I go into Enugu after uh, staying in Enugu if I'm coming back I will enter that area change up again the bike man would carry me to a point oh, and I would go in. <laughs> I'll change and then I'll continue the journey. It was fun, honestly. It was wow. fun. Yeah, I saw it as fun. It was an experience, you know, sort of. And I haven't been there since, you know, since I I I I, I was there in um that should be two thousand in two thousand and eleven. Yeah, but I haven't I haven't been there oh, um, okay. since then. And I've been a priest now for for um eight year eight years. Wow. Wow, mm. well, congrats, congrats on all of that, sir. Mm. And for those that are listening that are non Nigerians, Enugu is a southeastern state in Nigeria and it's very hilly. I think the name Enugu means hilltop, if I'm correct. Hilltop, exactly. Yeah, yeah, hilltop, so, yeah. yeah. It's, a, very it's beautiful. A very beautiful. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, we just put it together, so it's a very yes, beautiful yeah, place, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, um, so. I think when you're talking about just how you started in ministry, even some of the challenges you saw, you, you saw them as opportunity to just, you know, go to the next, it's just a bump on the road. I think mm-hmm. it, it brought to mind that saying, of, if you love what you do, you don't feel like you work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even looking at it, I'm like, priesthood sounds like a lot of work, but I can definitely <laughs> see that you have the grace and the passion for it. So, sir, mm-hmm. um, if you could highlight some examples of some challenges you've had so far. I know you've talked about the victories. I imagine the community involvement and, you know, just your services. You can highlight those as well. But I'm also curious to know about some of the challenges you've had, you know, along the way of your priesthood. Okay. Um, 
So, um, one of the challenge I I had was, you know, during the period when um, I lost my dad. Oh. My dad died um, while just after my first year in um, philosophy. It was a very big challenge for me because um, he was then the breadwinner, and he was sick for a long time. So, um, so I had a financial challenge, you know, to go or not to go, um, to continue or not to continue. You know, can I pay the bills? Can I pay at least the little bills that I should be paying in school? Um, it was a very difficult time, honestly, for me. And, you know, my mom wasn't very buoyant enough. And they just came out from this Anambra State saga, you know, um, when um, when after the previous government that, you know, um, that, you know, destroyed a whole, of, a whole lot of things. And so they were suffering this issue of, you know, payment and non-payment of workers. So she was still struggling through that period and my dad died with all the health bills and the rest of them. So it was a very difficult and challenging moment. But thank God I have people around me. I have friends also who stood by me and who helped me to, you know, to conquer those moments. And one of them was um, the late Archbishop um, Emeritus, a.k.a. Obiefuna. Um, he died um, in 2011, May 11th, 2011. Um, my spiritual father, um, um, my maternal uncle as well, who, you know, took over and, you know, helped me through my seminary days. And I had also a priest uncle who saw me through during those moments as well, because it was challenging, but I didn't want to disturb anybody. You know, when, when your parents said, this is what they wanted you to be, and they want you to be, and you're choosing a new path. But when I chose the new path, they called me, this I, didn't, I never said, they called me inside their room and asked me for the last time. You know, that had to heart talk. My mom was seated, my dad was seated. They asked me the question, is this whom you want to be? Are you sure? Huh. I said, yes. Yeah, we had that heart to heart talk. And from that moment, they said, okay, if this is whom you want to be, we're going to support you. Wow. And so, yeah, so they stood behind me. And so when my dad died, it was very difficult. Um, but I had support from people. I didn't want to disturb my mom. I had other siblings, you know, so I didn't want to disturb her. She was doing all her best. And I was getting lots of support from people. So that was one of the challenges I faced, you know, um, as I was, you know, traveling or climbing the ladder to the priesthood. Now, um, there were not many challenges during my my study days. No, there were not many challenges at all. Apart from my dad dying and all, there were not many challenges and financial challenges, none. Um, however, um, as a priest, okay, when I became a priest, one of the challenges priests face would be, you know, facing the world, the real world, facing the real world. All through about um, 16 years, 17 years, 18 years in the seminary and the training, you know, I use 16, 17 years because you go through the minor seminary, you spend like a year or two, you go also another nine years, so it's a very long year um, a training. Now, after all of these years, you know, you have a lot. Now you're coming to face the real world. You're coming to face different personalities, 
different people, different mindsets, okay, different understandings. Now it's now it is left for you to use your God-given gift to marry what you have learned and what themselves want to know who they are, what they want to know, what they need to know, and what you have to tell them as the word of God, and even how to transmit this word of God to them. Now, that was my second challenge. But thanks be to God, I walked in a place where where I, you know, I had an amazing, um, my first parish priest had an amazing parish priest who, you know, I looked up to, um, his ways and you know the way he approached a whole lot of things so i looked up to him and he helped me really you know in marrying you know myself and the church you know and the local church you know he helped me to understand and you know and i had people to tell me father you preached well or you don't preach well <laughs> yeah i had them i had i had one that would come and say father it seems uh, you are not very okay today, and I'll be like, I'm not doing this there. Trust Nigerians, they always come for you. Even the priests are not left out untouched. Oh my gosh! No, no, no not at all, not at all. So, I appreciate the consistency. It's, it's very comforting to know. Exactly, exactly. So, so I had people who would be like, Father, you did well, Father. You know, at some point they'll be like, Father, are you? very okay today i'll be like i can preach well ah next time i have to prepare well you know and i had lots of then one another challenge was you know having lots of things to do as a priest now you have come out of the theoretical part now into the practice yeah Yeah, so and then i was also a a prison chaplain my first year as a priest yeah i was a prison chaplain i was a school chaplain nursing school chaplain then you know i was doing a whole lot you know and but it widened my view my horizon so when i that was the first time ever i visited the prison as their chaplain it wasn't like i used to visit before i was made the chaplain but it was the first time ever you know i visited the prison and but it was joyful but one other challenge was i went into prison and i saw someone i knew Oh no! Yeah, but he's out of prison now. Oh but, God! Yeah, oh, wow. this was I knew, and it was a changing, a challenging moment. I was wow. like, "How do I, you know, communicate?" Yeah, conflict of interest. Yeah, exactly. And how do I make this person to know that he should be comfortable? He should yeah. relax. You know, even see me because he was my senior then. Oh. In the oh. So now he found himself in prison but i had the opportunity of having a chat with him while he was in prison and he was in prison for no fault of his you okay. know yeah unjust imprisonment so yeah. thanks be to god before i i before my second year into the priesthood he was released from the prison uh, yeah because i was only their chaplain for one year so it was an interesting moment you know going from prison to a nursing school to the works in the parish, you know, was stressful. But thanks be to God. Yeah. Wow. I mean, thank you 
so much for that robust response. A lot of what I know about priest and priesthood is from TV shows, mm-hmm. and I imagine that in addition to you know spiritual um, investment and all that in people, you're also like a therapist. You you're like a counselor, a community health worker. You know everything that's going on. You're supposed to be this handyman that can do like a million things. <laughs> But it's really humbling to hear just, you know, of course the challenges, but above all the victories that have come from that. And I really mm-hmm. appreciate your response. So um, mm-hmm. the next question for this for you will be this. Uh, no, I mean, you're relatively young. You also started at a very young age, you know, mm-hmm. and people are living, that, that age is one of the most, for the lack of a better word, productive, vibrant, you know, years of one's life. Do you ever feel like you're missing out? I mean, how do you even cope or even rise above the distractions? Now you've talked about managing people and different things and going from that bubble of seminary and all the many years of training, and now you're faced in the real world. And people mm-hmm. are not, I mean, human behavior is very complex. You might, you might want to have your own boundaries, but it's not always necessarily the case that people around you will respect that calling in your life. So how do you rise above the distractions that are abundant for men your age? Um honestly speaking um so because um because of whom you know the choice i made a long time i believe the grace of god has been holding me on okay the grace has been holding me on um i found that when even when some people are like you know you get a call for instance hey father what are you doing today i'm a priest that's that used to my used to be my response. I'm being a priest. You understand? Know, <laughs> so, okay. And the answer will be the same tomorrow and the day after. Exactly. <laughs> so, so they'll be like, apart from being a priest, apart from being a priest, what next? I say, apart from being a priest, I'm also okay a priest. <laughs> That's all I am. <laughs> you understand? And, and then the person says, is it not boring? And I say, it's not boring. I'm a priest, and I'm caring for people. You understand? there is always a need for the priest wherever you are it's only when you want to see needs you see them you understand there are different um 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 uh, walk you know walk abilities kind of okay someone could decide okay i celebrate my early morning mass do confessions and all that then i have my day some people would decide i celebrate the mass do the confessions go out there to meet people some people would decide I celebrate the mass, do the confessions, okay, have meetings with this and that, have my office hours and people are coming to meet me, okay, create an environment where people would be coming to see you, then you speak to them, okay. So there are different things at different times you could do as a priest and it will not get boring for you if you it is your desire. If it is something you are pushing to do. And that was the reason why I had to form the faith chat platform. Uh, uh. Okay. Because I felt, okay, let me reach out to even more people. Okay. Let me use my, my personal sort of time to reach out to more people than I do here where I work in Scotland. Okay. Let me reach out to more people because I have this desire for young people in Nigeria. When I was in Nigeria as a young minister, as a young priest, you know, I was a, um, I was gathering young people 
to to the church you know i speak i speak their language i want to speak their language okay i want them to understand what the church is all about we dance together you know i gather them i support those that need support okay we sort of like work as a community of young people like i also love music i work with the choir you know so there are lots to be done as a priest now coming over to this place it's this place is more of um um, older people sort of so they are not that very young generation of people so they are more of older people few young families you could find especially you know in the in this area where i'm working is in the highland of scotland so um it becomes sort of a more tasks for me to reach out to these young people but it's difficult it's difficult to call them in because they have so a different idea you know of life of the world the and i think idea, the cultural context is also different you know nigeria exactly. versus Scotland, you know exactly so the cultural context as well so you know and it was well, it, it's it's very difficult to reach out to them but at the same time i'm working with the nuns around those who are dedicated to the young people i'm working with them to make to see that you know we keep um, nurturing you know the young generation to accepting Jesus you know and knowing that apart from going to bar to school and the rest of them that the church is also very essential in their life especially in their spiritual and also mental growth so um gathering young people here was all a difficulty now because of that knowledge in my heart for young people I went into social media I spent my personal time to go into social media and what helped me pandemic played a great role you know last year when everyone we are at home asking themselves what next so i refused to ask myself seated what next i said as a priest there is always something to be done you know, francis asks us to have this pastoral creativity during that, that period so i thought okay there should be something that must be attract that must attract people to the church okay so apart from online masses i was celebrating with my colleague you know i started my tiktok you know like saying few words on tiktok reassuring people of god's love and care even in the midst of the pandemic okay and then i danced then you know there is silence i was yes, yes. <laughs> yes. I danced to it and danced to few others and thought uh, I saw this challenge from a priest on TikTok you know in, um, how to make the sign of the cross I picked it up you know I said okay now let me also push it down to my African brothers and sisters <laughs> you know, yeah so I started doing it and you know people were like oh we haven't seen a priest do this sort of thing yes. before wow yeah. this is so amazing this is lovely and you know it helped need to reach out to more people and gather them together so there is always something to be done for a priest um it's not it's not sort of you know boring or something like that okay. i know people like, listen i get calls father what are you up to today i'm a priest i'm being a priest <laughs> well, apart from being a priest what next the next thing is a priest, you know oh so goodness. Oh, thanks! Thanks a lot for that response. By the way, I think just the summary of that will be: don't get idle. 
just you know fill your day with as many activities as you can because being mm-hmm. idle and being bored which you said is not that's not something you're yeah. familiar with you know. can also make you prone to so many other things that you don't yeah. want to talk about and i don't mind they say is the devil's workshop it's yes devil's, definitely you know, resting place so yeah yeah you know, once you're once you're occupied with you know with your activities and reaching out to people you know you see that you have more really to do I agree. I agree. I also wanted to tease out the part where you talked about COVID. I know when we hear COVID, people roll their eyes like it was a horrible year, but some good things also happened. You know, you mm-hmm. thought outside of the box of how you can use the same social media tool that has been used to do like do do a lot of negative stuff. You took that as a way as a weapon to, you know, drive out the message of Christ. Drive. Drive out, yeah, like you know, drive out the message <laughs> of Christ and connect to people and be innovative. And and I think. Um, just knowing that you're targeting a specific demographic and these are the people that need to be reached because mm-hmm. we're seeing that you know church attendance especially among millennials have really dropped down so it's good that they have you know someone of your person and other you know um, um religious leaders like you just using that mm-hmm. same tool to be more relatable and more um i guess um reaching them more I think that's really yeah. good. Yeah. And congrats on your 20k followers. I know you. <laughs> you just, you know, given that, that yeah, you. yeah. Um, a segue to that would be, I mean, given that you grew up when technology wasn't very abundant, was it? Would you say it was a huge learning curve? Because I'll let you know, I haven't gone on, on TikTok. It was my in case of emergency break glass situation. And I told myself I had to reach a level of desperation during the pandemic. Wow. And I never got it. I never, you know, I was like, okay, good. So I'm never on TikTok. I don't think I'm going to have one soon. <laughs> but I do see a lot of TikTok videos pop up. I'm on Instagram a lot. But was it very difficult for you, sir, overcoming, you know, social media, you know, tech use and all that? Um, initially, I, I I was very skeptical about social media, especially when I was in Nigeria. So I was very skeptical about social media. I was there, but at the same time, not there. So at the time, I had to even delete my Instagram. Sometimes I would even delete Facebook. So I wasn't so interested and keen on social media, you know also it it eats up data so you don't have enough data for for other things especially uh, whatsapp is all good but yeah. you don't have data for for other things uh, not to talk about um, social you know, facebook and, and instagram so it was eating up data so i had to like i wasn't very convers- um you know keen on using them but when i came over to 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 scotland um so i thought okay now i have the um, you know the abundance of um, of data and you know and all that. So I said, okay, there's no problem being in there. Now, something that pushed me a lot was going into Instagram. So there were a few um, church things going on, especially from my local community. You understand? You would have Pope Francis was already on Instagram. Um, EWTN was on Instagram. Since uh, lots of Catholic channels were on Instagram, some priests also were on Instagram, very, very popular, like Bishop Barons and the rest of them. But then, you know, from my local community, from Nigeria, from Africa, you would find little, less people active on these social media platforms. 
So it wasn't very encouraging. So, you know, when you want to go into something, you need some push. You know, you need some push. So it wasn't very encouraging. But during the pandemic, I thought it's time to break the, you know, to break the chains, you know, to break out from the fear, you know, from, from, uh, now before, before that, really, in 2019, um, a documentary uh, of myself and my colleague was made, you know, of our achievements and our struggles and obstacles here in, in the Highland of Scotland by BBC. So during that docu, during, during the making of the documentary or before then, I was already on YouTube doing daily meditation but then i was not doing like video of myself it was an audio audio meditation oh yeah i would just sit where i am right now set up all my stuffs okay my earpiece and all that then i'll use garage band and do a recording yeah yeah and then do a recording of my of the meditation and then arrange them, edit them, and post. I used to get like 50 views daily 50, 70, 100, 140. Like and that's not bad days. for an audio recording. It's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was like getting them. So I was happy doing them before when I was very busy here. Now, the documentary came, okay? And they were like, Father, this is also a very good time for you to keep pushing your own YouTube because. This documentary is very good, especially after they had edited and they came out with a very good stuff. You know, the editors told me because I told them about my YouTube channel. So, you know, it was encouraging to me and people who are listening also were encouraging me to keep going, keep doing it. So then I wasn't posting on any other place, but Facebook Uh and YouTube. So Uh I'll post on YouTube and then I'll post the link on Facebook. Uh So... And on WhatsApp. Now, the pandemic came up, okay? And I thought, okay, I was doing still on YouTube, both the masses and the meditations. But what then should I do in all those other platforms? I should break away from this fear. So for the first time, I had to put camera. In front front of me. No more garage band. No more guys, band. And then I spoke in front. I tell you, I tried that for 10 times before I got the best one for myself. Oh, you're so brave. I'm yet to crack that code. You're so brave, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you're brave. So, so I tried and tried. I, I used different locations. I used different locations. I tried where I was seated and giving the reflection. I tried standing up. I went into the church. I think the church worked out more. Mm. you know you know standing the background yeah. yeah the background worked out more so i used all these places then you know until tiktok i started seeing tiktok went into it loved it learned the editing aspect of it because i was like how can someone jump i know and i know and I, yes I did. You know? <laughs> you know? it's still it's still like magic to me by the way because i don't have tiktok <laughs> so, I was like, how could someone ever do that? Until I learned the trick, I started doing it. I did the first one, did the second one, did the third one. I was like, whoa. And people were loving it. So I used it also as a teaching platform to teach people about 
what the priests wear, what we use in the church, yeah. you know, what we use for masses, what they all mean and all that. And people yeah. will, oh, this is me learning. Even though they're all there in black and white, in papers, on internet, you can just browse and see. But it's but, different when they say on you. <laughs> like the one you did on Advent, like the purple robe and you, you know, showing the color, the meaning of purple. And I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, I see it, but I don't, I'm not Catholic by the way, but still I yeah. see it. But I didn't know the significance until you had it written and then you talked about it. Exactly. That's yeah. that. So, as so now, let me tell you another thing, another secret. If you look at most of my TikTok videos, okay, you wouldn't hear me talk more. Ah, yeah. Yeah. so you, you only hear see my lip sync on ah. the right. Ah, yeah. So oh. I, would, I would lip sync. And then do a write-up. Such sorcery, sir. <laughs> yeah. Not you mention it. Ah, I shouldn't use sorcery in front of a priest, but you get what I mean. Wow. Yeah. yeah wow. So I, I can't I can see it again. I have to go watch it again to like, but I think you're right. Definitely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I would lip sync and then I would put up a write-up. Okay. Because I thought, okay, yeah. this will be attractive. Then the write-up would be the message yes yes and people so, can read you can depending on your learning style if you're a reader right mm-hmm. kind of person visual you know mm-hmm. there's something for everybody exactly ah. so someone would pick the video because of the sound or yeah. i love the music yeah oh, you're yeah. To the sound. yeah beautiful yeah you are learning the priest dressing up is beautiful then people will be like okay what message again yeah in this video then yeah. they, they, they look at the message they go, ah i'm learning something so you know i try to like bring in a whole lot into one video and it takes me time i was about asking that because I, I do podcast auditing editing and although it's a lot of work i can never imagine how much it takes for like a two minute video it can probably take you hours like edit and yeah put all the tra- the transcript and all that Ugh. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> um we have about we have uh, very few minutes left but i had some burning questions mm-hmm. so i'm hoping we can if you can help me speed through the responses because uh, these are really good questions i want to ask so you okay. moved from nigeria to the uk and mm-hmm. you're currently you know in training how long are you going to be there for and is this a permanent move for you um no it's not a permanent move honestly and okay. i'm not going to be here for a very long time because um, i'm on a mission Okay. You've been sent to, you know, for a mission. So you you move from one place to another. But when you move, you I don't know. I could okay. be here for the next five years, but I don't know when, you know, I would move. When the orders come from above. Okay, good. Exactly. Wherever the orders come, I would start. <laughs> but I imagine that wherever you're going to be, <laughs> yes, you still keep making your impact and all that. So that's, that's you know, yeah, comforting but, to By me. the grace of God. Yeah. Um, in talking to, you know, men of God and even just reading autobiographies like for example mother teresa i found i found something very common and similar with you know um priests and you know other men of god and women of god as well is there's always that feeling of sometimes that experience of god you know we always we that are non-men of god we look at them like oh these are the ones they see god they hear god but sometimes always a struggle you know and the ones that are being honest will let you know it's not the way you think it is. I mean, they believe in mm-hmm. God, obviously, but it's not the way we've all romanticized it. So I'm curious to know, sir, would you say you've experienced God in your life other than the Eucharistic presence of Jesus in the Holy Mass? So um, thank you. It's a very important question. And being very honest with you, okay, ap- 
apart from also the Eucharistic experience, which is where I feel, you know, that personal touch with Jesus. Okay. In fact, there should not be actually apart from. Um, because when you remove it, you're like saying, okay, maybe, you know, there should be another way or something. But I tell you, that is one of, that is the most essential place I meet Jesus. During the pandemic, what sustained me was my 30 minutes to one hour adoration in presence of the Blessed Sacrament, which I did from Monday to Sunday every morning. 30 to one hour adoration, meditation in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. And each day I encounter Jesus. Because each day I stay there, I pray for inspiration and I'm always inspired. Sometimes I don't have anything to preach about. Now let me tell you one of my encounters with Jesus in almost every day of my life. Sometimes I don't have like, you know, the experience, you know, like the words to preach with after reading the word of God. I'll close the Bible. I'll close the missile. I will now, in the presence of God, I will say, God, now it's your turn to inspire me. I don't know what to tell your people today. These words are similar to what I've preached the previous days. And standing at the pulpit to speak, my mouth will just be opening and closing without even oh. knowing knowing that I'm preaching well. Okay, and after that day, you'll see people will be like, thank you, Father, you just spoke to my spirit. Now, this is how God speaks also to us and my encounter with God. And there are many cases where I felt God's presence also in my life, but it doesn't mean it's because I'm a priest. It means it is only because I have a faith that it wishes and wills and wants to see Jesus and encounter him. Okay? It's not because I'm a priest. Because you too can encounter God even more than I do. You understand? But because of that desire, because the word of God says in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13, that you seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So that's You know, that's what I do, and that's how I encounter God. Wow, thank you so much for that reminder, Dora. Apart from Mm -hmm. the presence of Jesus, I mean, there's really no other place to experience Mm -hmm. Him. And it has to be intentional. You know, yeah, it has it to has be intentional. To be, yeah. And yeah. it's not just set apart for priests or other men of God mm-hmm. or women of God. It's it's accessible to everyone. Exactly. Um, now, let's talk, you know, let's wind down with some very important questions about security issues. So I actually mm-hmm. came across one of the articles that you were cited in about three seminaries that were kidnapped in Nigeria. And we've had a lot of, you know, insecurity challenges for, you know, non-Christians who might be doubting like, oh, if priests are being kidnapped, then what's the point of you know faith? What do you have to say about that? That's one question on that one. Um, and anyone can be kidnapped. Even Jesus himself suffered on the cross. He was crucified and he died for our sake. So we are all prone to be, you know, to human weaknesses and human failures. Yeah. Because whatever we are suffering, we cost it ourselves. We cannot say God had done it to anyone because we are the ones who are causing whatever we are facing to ourselves. But the only thing I have have to say is this, that, you know, it is only our faith that can see us through in the midst of trials and temptations. You know, 
they can come to a priest. They can come to anybody. So it is only our faith that can see us through. Christ said to his apostles, you know, if they crucified me, if they dealt with me, then they would come against you even with greater force. Huh. But, then, but then he said to them, do not be afraid. Do not, you know, because I have come the world. The world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's all right. I think that's what definitely sets us apart as Christian. Because in this world, we'll always have challenges. And mm-hmm. in spite of everything, we know that everything will work out, you know, for our good. It might not yeah, be good, good, but it's going to work out mm-hmm. for our good. Exactly. Now, um, we have a lot of people that are going home this, you know, festive seasons when Whoops. families will be coming together. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's very contentious, you know, conflict arising and, you know, insecurity issues. So two questions would be this. Yeah. Those that are going to family members, especially those that are from moving from abroad to Nigeria, you know, anxieties are working up because they're going to go face that family member asking all kinds of questions expectations that are you know unrealistic that's one mm-hmm. how do we you know have a very lovely christmas with our family members and then two some um securities um tips for those that are traveling in this festive period okay the first thing is this okay go home if you want to if you will to go home go home listen whatever will happen will happen whether you are there or not do not be afraid go with god go with christ okay when your mind is you want to you will to just tell god god i want to go home okay go it's for a good reason you want to go and rejoice with your family you want to go and reunite with your family so if you want to go but go with god put god first okay seek the face of god and then go some people would not go then if they they, have, they fear death right they fear death. Someone would be in Lagos. They don't want to go back to Anambra, for instance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now you're in Lagos. And then kidnappers come your way. Or you're traveling and you have accident. You understand? Or you're in the house and your house started burning. You'd be like, oh, had I known? Okay. My my mom my mom and my sister, they used to leave their very big, good phones, mobile phones at home when they're going to shop. But arm robbers left the shop and went to the home and took it. <laughs> you, you, you understand so, so so it would happen whenever and wherever all you need to do is to go with god mm. okay put god first yeah. pray about it and be assured be sure that's what you want to do go ahead do it god yeah. will do it god will save you and then for security tips i would like to say to everyone traveling home travel less mm. okay yeah don't you don't have to carry everything travel less Okay, you have a purpose. You are going to see friends and family. So travel less. Okay, look out for the best time to travel. Okay, listen to news if you can. Okay, and, you know, pray as well and ask God to guide you. Don't be extravagant. Okay, don't go out there to show up to or show off. There is no need for that. There is no need for it. Okay. Christmas is a time of unity, union with the family, joy and gladness. It's not a time to start blowing sirens and disturbing the whole village and showing people how much money you have. That's so, you know, that's unbecoming. But go with, you know, go for the love you have for your family and for your people. Don't intimidate anyone. That's one of the causes of, you know, this, um, 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 unnecessary attention, yes, yes. attention, you know. Yes, yes. Don't you know draw unnecessary attention to yourself. yourself yeah. Go simple and yeah. go with God. Yeah.
definitely love those tips. Like, don't go with fear. Don't live your life in fear. Go with God. But at the same time, you know, be responsible. Travel less. Don't draw unnecessary attention. Keep your schedule, you know, very tight, you know, with those that you care about. Yeah, you don't want to be, you know, doing all of that. Um, Rounding off now, I wanted to ask a clarification question. You're the only person in your family, correct? Any nuns? Any Okay. Yeah. In, yeah. in my, in my, in my. Your siblings, uh, your five, yeah, yeah. Your yeah. no, four siblings. Um, the baby, me. the baby yeah. in the house. Okay. Um, <laughs> for 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 families that are listening to this, right? You know, whether the kids that are trying to, you know, one day take up that vocation to priesthood, and say, for example, the parents are still not, you know, um, um, that they are yet to come to terms with it. What what kind of advice would you give for these young people who might be listening, maybe male or female, and also to the families who are still having a very hard time to, you know, accept this possibility? Um, my one advice is from my own experience, if a child desires to be a priest, give that child the opportunity. Okay, allow that to your son to go on. Because Jesus says, allow these little children to come to me. To them, the kingdom of God belongs. And he can call anyone at any time. Allow them. Maybe as they continue in that journey, if it wasn't God who called them initially, you will see the changes. You know, they would say, I don't want to be again. But I tell you, if it was God that's calling them, there will be that that God wants them to be. Secondly, to parents too, do not force your child because you've seen this woman is a mother to a priest and you want your son to also be a priest. Never you force your son into the priesthood because it's one of the disastrous decisions people make and it, it, it wouldn't always go well when the child grows to be that priest. So, you know, allow God to make the decision through the person. Oh, I mean, mm. I appreciate you making that clarification because, of course, those possibilities are always there where, you know, there's that pride of, oh, I have, my friend has two priests. Yeah. Let me make my kids, you know, um, priests exactly. as aunts. And a thing of pride, exactly. we become, we, yeah. we make it more about ourselves than the corners mm. on their life. I'll, I'll give you an instance. I know, I know a mom, not because she wants the children to become priests, but because of the training, the, the priestly formation. Uh-huh. So she sent her children to the seminary not to go and be priests, okay? One was not keen on going to the seminary initially. One was like, I want to go, mommy, I want to go. But you know what happened? The person that wasn't keen on being on going to the seminary ended up keen on becoming a priest. The other one was so keen on wanting to now says, no, I don't want to. After their man, minor seminary, the other one continued and one says, okay, no, yeah. no I'm not going. Yeah. You know, I'm not going again. So, you know, it, people can also do that. And yeah. allow them, whenever those decisions come, okay, help them, but, you know, put their, whatever their desires are, yeah. you know, as priority. I think it brings to mind that um, parable in the Bible, the son that said he was going to do then didn't end up doing it, and then the other one did. And I think it's also, you know, because here, um, priesthood, like seminary, the equivalent of seminary is sending your kids to, you know, the U.S. Army or the Marines. Seminary yeah. is no boot camp, you know, so let's no, use that place no, wisely. Um, <laughs> finally, it would be this, um, you know, there's... I think that's something you said earlier on about the place of prayer and how you mm. growing up your family was a place of prayer and 
that also instilled a lot of discipline in you. We know that the world as a way is kind of shifting. There's been that huge, you know, generational gap due to, you know, rapid urbanization, globalization, mm-hmm. immigration, westernization. Mm-hmm. And prayer is, I think, it's very family corporate prayer is becoming more mm-hmm. extensive. For families that are still struggling, can you just speak to the importance of prayer? I mean, you've talked about mm-hmm. how it's impacted you, but how do you encourage those that are yet to make, you know, um, constant prayer a, a staple in the family? Mm-hmm. The first thing and the most essential thing I have to say is this. A family that prays together stays together together. and if you know this then you know peace and you know joy and i must say this there are families who can only pray when they are going to eat and then their prayer line is just god help me to do this god help me in jesus name amen no way It's, it's good it's okay but it's not enough you have to cultivate an attitude of prayer. Let prayer be your attitude and not just a substitute. Prayer should be a, your attitude, not a substitute. Not like, okay, uh, children, you have to pray. All right, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Good night, Mom. Good night, Dad. Stop it. Okay. Pray intentionally and with all your hearts. Give God a good time in your home and together together pray together and i have to tell dads okay apart from when they say moms are the ones who you know who um, encourage prayer life you know i have to tell dads to rise up my dad would not allow you to sleep if you have not prayed you know and it helped me a lot so i have to talk to dads and the moms to cultivate this unity and the attitude of prayer in their family and you know and you see nothing will ever you know separate you oh wow. I, I like to say that prayer is an attitude not a substitute like mm. god is no um microwave or um mcdonald's no. drive drive through no, stop, right, stop right spirituality you select you know. <laughs> select a pick and choose and i also forgot to mention this i really love what you do on your social media i think you're definitely one of those priests that is worth following because like i said i'm not catholic but i know you've done a lot of collaboration with you know non-catholics alike and i think before we start recording you had spoken to about the benefits of um, your um ecumenical um standpoint yeah. as far as seeing mm-hmm. that Christianity as a whole we can come together and mm-hmm. um, share the love of Christ even though we might have different doctrines instead of mm-hmm. trying to look at things as separate us we can come together so you've partnered with um, for example I was given an example of um, Pastor, um, Pastor Kingsley Okoko yes and his wife mm-hmm. uh, Pastor Mildred talking about mm-hmm. relationships mm-hmm. even the way you ask those questions and your conversation on that I definitely want to say I, I mean I enjoy wow. some of your content so please keep it going and I think you know if a priest and a Pentecostal person can come together there's really hope for the unity of Christ because at the end of the day mm-hmm. you know um, as long as Christ is being preached, I mean, that's what matters. And so I want to say, keep up your good work, sir. And it's been a yeah. pleasure talking with you. I I mean, I really learned a lot from you. And um, thank you for answering all of my questions. And on behalf <laughs> of everyone here on the show, I want to say thank you so much. Dalo, um, Father, I'm James. <laughs> thank you, Noah. It's, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure being on your platform. And I'm honored um, by your words. Thank you so much. Right. Well, guys, yeah. um, that was it. And uh, don't forget to catch the episode when it comes out. And there's plenty more where that came from. I remain your host, Small. Catch you guys on another episode of the Monster Podcast. Bye for now. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Morosable Podcast. Well, guess what? There's plenty more where that came from. So visit our website at www.mosibyl.com. That is www.mosibyl.com, where you can find hours of other binge-worthy episodes just like this one. And while you're at it, please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Podbean as it encourages other awesome people like you to listen to the podcast as well. We are now officially on Podbean. It has an app. You can catch up on missed episodes and also get a notification when we have new episodes. Do you have a question for our guest, feedback on the episode, or a suggestion for a future guest? Then please get in touch with us by sending us an email at talktomo at mostable.com or connect with us via Instagram at the Moral Civil Podcast. Cannot wait to hear from you, and thank you so much for always listening. Mm-hmm.